Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the TF Cast. We've got an extra special episode for you today in collaboration with the MN Original Music Festival. My name is Willis Stout. Hey, Grum here. The date is 7-2022, and we are here at the St. Peter High School Auditorium. And I'm your host, Jacob Bases. Today, we are chatting with Laura Schultz, Nate Boots, and Brady Pearl to talk about how they craft the song and strategies for being an impactful artist with a prolific output. And then uh, we'd like to get to know the audience here just briefly. So I got a couple questions for you all. Uh, if you uh, can play an instrument or play, uh, consider yourself a musician, go ahead and raise your hand. All right, all right. Uh, if you keep your hand up, if you uh, perform regularly in public. All right, and then uh, put your hand up if you've written a song in the last month. All right, okay. We got a we got a room full of musicians here, so excited to get into it. All right. Um, now, if we could just kick it off to our songwriters here uh, to maybe each just take one or two minutes to introduce yourself and play a little bit of a song. Brady, could you start us out? Yeah, sure. Hi, my name is Brady Pearl. Um, is there a camera that I should look into? It's just fine. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm from the Twin Cities, if, if you will, but Minnesota will do. Um, I've been writing music as long as I can remember. Um, I used to sneak in and play the guitar uh, when I was a little kid, like two or three years old, and uh, would play just single strings. You know, if a guitar was just on a stand like this, I'd just... And I would try and make sense out of it like that. And then I'd, of course, turn the knobs and change it and make somebody very angry, you know, because <laughs> I was uh, messing with the tune of their guitar. Um, I've been making a living... Um, solely as a self-employed musician for 15 years now. Um, maybe not the greatest financial decision to make for me and my family, but it's what I've been doing. Um, and I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me, appreciate it. Um, so here's a, here's a funny thing though about some songs, they do just come to you. And so I'm gonna sing um, a chorus of, of that tune. interesting story behind the song and, and how it came to be uh, but other than that just uh, I woke up and the song was it was right there in the middle of the night and I spent um, from about midnight to six in the morning writing the tune and woke up um, or the family woke up and they said hey we sound, sounded nice last night what were you doing you know and I was like writing a song and it ended up being uh, a fan favorite if you will so the song's called lay me down
tune. Thank you. Yay. Thank you. Well, <laughs> we can just keep moving it down the line. Let's let's go right to let's get into what do you got, Laura? Hello, I'm Laura Schultz. I have been writing songs since I was 15 years old. Um, I've never like since I started writing songs, I've never stopped. Um, I find that for me, songwriting is something that um, I need to make the space for the inspiration to come. So I'll often set time frames, like two hours, during which I need to have a song completed. Because for a long time I was waiting for the songs to come and that uh, wasn't as often as I would have liked. So maybe folks can really, maybe not. But for me, I kind of need to add some discipline to my life. So this song that I'll play a little bit of is uh, a song that I wrote while I was watching a documentary. I was just like really struck by the content of it. And I wrote this song. It's pretty short, but I'm not going to play the whole thing. So it'll still be a little morsel like your delicious treat. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting out in separate spaces between the beaten radiating yeah, we're Thank you. And uh, Nate? I love that song. Thanks, Nate. Um, Colin and Laura asked me to play a song uh, in and around their wedding, and I wanted to play that song, so I learned it with my daughter. So um, I love that song. Good choice. <laughs> I'm Nate Boots. I'm from uh, North Mankato, Minnesota these days, and uh, yeah, prolific. I don't know about that, um, but. Um, especially since I came to this music stuff uh, sort of late in the game. I never did anything uh, musical except listen to music when I was a kid. Wasn't in band, was barely in choir. And, um, but I was listening and uh, I remember hearing my parents sing in church. I remember one specific time. I, I remember the pews, I remember the books in front of me, the Bibles and the, the hymnal books and the pencils. And I remember hearing my dad sing 
one part and my mom sing a different part and then the church organ doing something different and I thought, how is that working? And I, I was kind of fasc fascinated by that. So I think I've been listening for a long time, but uh, come to this late in the game, probably started playing more seriously in my you know, early 30s, mid 30s even, um, before I finished any songs that I cared to even share with anybody. And thank God, because some of those early songs are really bad. <laughs> yeah, My Love For You Is Like A Car. That was one of them. Um, yeah, uh, one was called Road Rash. I don't know if it was. <laughs> I don't ride motorcycles and I don't know anything about cars, so I don't know what I was doing. Um, but uh, I barely know what I'm doing now. Uh, but I'm having fun doing it. I like words, probably first and foremost. And so, uh, just any music that goes with words, I'm into. So here's a little piece of something that. Michelle said she liked earlier today, and Brady, your song kind of reminded me of, of this song, sort of too, and uh, also made me want to put my harmonica on as well. <laughs> there aren't a ton of us guys that do that. Is there a name for that, uh, double instrumenting it like that? Like playing two instruments at once? Specifically with the guitar-harmonica combo. I want like a concise name. Dillening. Dylan it. Sure, but I do like that harness. I would, I would prefer yours over mine. I, I, I was just thinking I liked yours better than mine. Maybe we should. We could peroxide and trade, man. I'm fine. Mine breaks every other gig. I've got one in the van. I, I'm a part of this. <laughs> this is called Just Another Dream, and this happened uh, right after I woke up one morning at the outset of the pandemic, and I had 56 text messages on my phone from a friend that. I thought we were ex-friends, but it turns out we were friends again, or was I dreaming? I wasn't sure. Sometimes I dream about Jesus, how that should have been me, hopped up on selfless forgiveness, and crucified on a tree but I never could have walked a single mile with those sandals strapped to my feet oh it's just another dream it's just another dream I get to wondering about heaven debate back and forth if it's real with the streets of shining gold, singing angels afloat. Nobody around to cheat, liar, steal. When an eternity of time rolls through my mind, I never know quite how to feel about just another dream, just another dream. Just another dream. Just another day Just a chance to travel time A chance to drift away Just another memory Warm but crystalline Just another dream All right, we're, So the way we have this event formatted today or this, this piece is that we are, 
all three of us have prepared some questions to ask you, and uh, we're not going to maybe ask uh, individuals, but we want you to work it out as a group, or if one of you has like a concise answer that's important to you, um, you can just share it that way, or um, kind of discuss amongst yourself as you are the experts. So I'm going to, and after that, we are going to have some questions for the audience for maybe like the last uh, 10 or 15 minutes too. So if you have anything going on up there, we will have the opportunity for you to ask questions as well. Um, Willis, would you like to ask the first question? Certainly, I can do that. Uh, so I, I think uh, it's common among musicians that it's difficult to like come up with the right idea. So I guess quickly, if we could kind of go down the line again or um, start with one of you, I'm curious about uh, what for you, the hardest part of songwriting is personally, and then how you go about uh, combating that and getting over that challenge. Eminem said something along the lines of, I bully myself. And I have to say that I fall into that camp. Um, I, I don't suffer fools. This is, this is really nice. Don't, don't, don't think I'm trying to talk trash about my, my co-stage, um, my co-evils, if you will. <laughs> um, but, you know, I have listened to music, and I, so, like, so, so much music in my life, right? And I think that music listeners are musicians in, a, in and of themselves. They, they receive the music. Um, and they can, they can cherish the music and have an opinion about it. I guess what I'm getting at is um, you learn things as you, as you listen, right? And you, and you I don't want to say take things, but you take note of, like, how, what did they do? What, 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 you know, I was sitting in your workshop and listening to you and looking at the different ways that you could structure a tune. There's, there's really no, it's a science, but at the same time, you can do whatever you want kind of a thing. And I think... I'm sorry, maybe, uh, maybe I've drifted off the question. Maybe I've No, you're perfect, the you're perfect. It made me think about, for me, like, it's the getting started. It's the, like, blank page, right? This sure. is another quote that I'm going to screw up, but it's like the, the, the blank page is a perfect poem or something like that. So the idea that the idea is perfect, and then you have to write it, and it's never going to be the idea. Sure. It's, it's, you have to make you have to make it real. And in making it real, there are gonna be differences. Um, so I think you were talking about waking up from a dream and then having a song. I've had that before too, where sure. it's like, oh my gosh, this is the best song <laughs> in the world. And then you try to actually write that song and it's not the dream song. Which is why I forced myself to <laughs> yeah. finish it that night. Right. I was like, I'm not losing this one, yeah. okay? <laughs> right. Uh, sometimes I'll get like a line. That's yep. kind of the best I can. Yeah ask for from the universe right. but I think it's the getting started it's the if I'm waiting like I said if I'm waiting for motivation uh it's not going to come so it's been developing a practice for myself and a discipline for myself because sometimes it happens that something's given to you but that's much more rare in my experience than just putting in the putting in the work waiting for sure I mean I waited most of my life so far. Um, and then finally, I think I just didn't care enough. I was, I think I was, uh, I was going through a hard time in my life and I just didn't care. I was, I was gonna write the songs for myself. Um, I was kind of in, in grief mode or trying to keep my head above water mode. And so I maybe stopped editing myself so hard too. I think that helped with me finishing a few things or at least finishing a draft and then knowing as a writer that you can come back and revise 
Um, and it doesn't have to be done in one session or one day or one month or one year or five years even. <laughs> I've, I've finished songs that I started many years ago, just taking a piece from them and then finding all of a sudden another piece that goes with it. Um, but definitely getting started um, is tough. But also, I've, I think I've sort of learned to um, go with the song, not try to wrestle it into submission. Um, get on the horse and let the horse kind of go a little bit. That's more fun for me. Uh, and I've been trying to do that more and more lately. And I have like a, a more poetic ride, I think, with the horse. If I just let the horse go and, and just, just ride and enjoy. Um, so I have, uh, I feel like a lot of times people talk about finishing or starting songs, but one of my favorite thing uh, as a performer, especially as someone who will play like kind of the same acts with different amount of people, uh, one thing that's always interesting to me is how significantly a ch song can change from one uh, part of the writing process to another, or as you play it live, or possibly just because uh, you have a player that might be able to play a lead or rock the rhythm while you play the lead or something like that. Um, did you have an example of a song that you had written that had ch greatly changed from the beginning of the write pro writing process or possibly as you added musicians or played it live? An interesting uh, dichotomy, if you will, compared to my first uh, sample of the tune, one that just came to me. And I don't want to seem like such a person that this just happens to me. This, this example that I'll write, uh, that I'll sing now, is a song called Visions of Babylon that I worked on for a really long time, and I've told myself it's not done until there's at least eight verses, and I think I'm only on six. But I play it out, and I've been playing it for a really long time, and it took me a really long time. I wrestled this one into submission. I, I like, d did not give up on this tune. I was like, this tune's going to be really good. Watch. Like, watch. Why eight? I don't know. I, it's, it's just it's what it's what it calls for. <laughs> so this tune's called Visions of Babylon. Silver bells begin to chime, village and the dawn. Travel through space and time And echo on and on All the silent dreams You live at night You've been living all along Through the looking glass And in the pictures you've drawn Visions of Babylon Every politician tailors In imported crimes Nothing but common criminals Rings on the fingers of the holy rollers Wipes all the people left to pay in full Never wait in line for nothing They just hold it up To every one of us under the gun Ways of the world under a wayward sun Visions of Babylon Heck yeah um, Laura, I'd imagine you have uh, a few songs Especially as someone who plays with Given Names solo and with uh, Goodnight Goldust as well as just the duo version. I'm sure a lot of your stuff has like different forms. Yeah, thank you <laughs> for naming all those bands. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Links in the bio. <laughs> um, thank you though. Yeah, 
and you're absolutely right. I rely so much on the amazing musicians around me to write parts and um, to add to and create new things in the songs that I bring. As you heard with that little radiate number, I'm really kind of a folky at my, at my core. Um, but I like the expansiveness of synth and stuff like that, but I can't really play it. So uh, other people can. Hi. <laughs> Hi, dear. But other people can. So uh, one of the first things that came to mind is when we were in the studio with Goodnight Gold Dust, we were working with a producer, and um, I had this song that I had written that I had just like these chords the whole time. That was it the whole time. And he was like, I think we got to invert that somehow. We got to do something else. So then we changed the verses. Still had the same melody, still had the same vocal melody, but we um, sort of changed the, the chords for the verses and kept the chorus chords the same. So I'm going to do just a little part of that because I think that'll explain it better than my mouth is doing. Yeah, is this uh, California? No. I'm sorry. I said it like that because I'm trying to remember. <laughs> it's uh, better gone. It's better gone. Better gone. It's better gone. Yeah. So it's like. Sorely losing, lost for nothing. You're gone most of the. Then it goes to G. Time you're here. Screen in November. You're not to blame. When it's lovely, when it's all the same, feels much better when you're not around. You're not around. Feels much better when you're not around. When you're not around. So you get it. So it was like sorely losing, lost for nothing. And Brett was like. That's the same thing over and over again. And I was like, yeah, but isn't that kind of fun? And he was like, no, you can't just do that every song. So I was like, fine. So then it became. Which is more interesting and a little bit moodier. Heck yeah. So that's the first thing that came to mind. That was but a great yeah. example okay. of that. Oh, thanks. Do you have one off the top of your head, Nate? Otherwise, we got some more questions. I have one that uh, I know I play it a certain way, but I know that I want to play it with my band, The High Horses. And so I know it's gonna change soon. Uh, and so I, I'm kind of just enjoying my version of it right now okay. with, with an acoustic guitar. But I, I actually, the, the song came to me because I got a new uh, Gretsch last summer and uh, uh, I was trying to get more electric or be more interesting to myself. And I named the guitar Gretel. And um, <laughs> this song came when I was playing that guitar after I took the whammy bar off because there was just too much whammy in the house. I was just, I think I bought the guitar mainly for the whammy, and uh, my daughter yelled from the other room, no more whammy. <laughs> no whammy. So I actually was gonna, I was gonna take the guitar back, um, but I decided I could just take the whammy bar off, but I don't know how to do that, but I'm gonna do that anyways, and then that'll make it my guitar, because I'm gonna drill a couple holes in it and put a new tailpiece on it. And I was sort of scared, but I was just like, well, if I mess it up, I'm out X amount of money, and I'm just going to do it. And did it, and it worked out, but I don't have Gretel with me. But I'm going to play the song that Gretel, the Gretsch Electric, inspired. It's called Happily Ever After. 
imagine it. Gretel was out just walking in the woods with breadcrumb in her hand. Hansel, her brother, was leading the way, trying his best to be a man. But they were on their own, they were far from home, and as the darkness finally fell, the wind was howling their name, and every tree seemed insane. All those kids were scared as hell. Think you know what happens next? Sweet old lady with a candy house turns into a wedge. Being lost ain't no fairy tale. Panda holds worth more than some dusty holy grail. The kids time we flip the script. Find our own version of a happily ever after end. So if you were to change it for the full band, would you probably just like, uh, how, would, how do you think you, will, you end up doing I'm that? I'm going to kind of turn some solos loose on Ben Scruggs. Oh! I'm going to turn some drums loose on Michelle Roche. Whoa! Um, and I'm going to get Gretel out, and we're going to go after it. That's what's going to happen. Gorgeous. Yeah. Jake? Uh, all right. I, it's, it's actually a funny coincidence, because when we were planning this episode, I was talking about um, writing this question. I was going to tell a story about Laura on stage because you've been a podcast guest in the, in the past and you gave me a really good piece of writing advice, which is when you are writing, sometimes you just refuse to remove the pen from the paper until it, you have enough inspiration to work something out from it. And I was like, I walked away from that experience and I was like, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> like, and since then I've, I've used that over and over again. And I, from that comes this question. Um, which is, if you were to go back and be able to give your younger self as a songwriter a piece of advice that's been impactful to you from either an inspiration or someone who you've met on your journey, what would that be? Shall we go in reverse order this time? Maybe I feel like I'm kind of bogarting the, the beginnings of the questions here. Okay. Um... So I think what came to mind when you were telling that story, I was thinking about, I was at this songwriting sort of retreat and festival in Door County, Wisconsin when I was uh, like 22, just right when I finished undergrad. And um, there were like literal luminaries there, like Jane Weedlin from the Go-Go's was there. And like Carol King's daughter was there. And all of these amazing like producers and uh, musicians and songwriters, and then there was me, and I was horrified. <laughs> so I like drank a lot of red wine and sang harmonies a lot because I was v anxious. And ultimately, it was about writing songs as a group. It was about getting put into small groups to write songs together, and that was incredibly intimidating to me at that point. I think it still would be. But I wound up writing a song there by myself in a hotel room. Like, it, everybody had hotel rooms. It was, it, it was ridiculous, but it was so amazing. And I think out of that, for myself, I would say, like, just however you need to get a song out, get it out that way. 
there may be times where you feel like it needs to come out a certain way or you need to write a certain way or maybe you're surrounded by musicians who write a certain way and you feel like you should be doing it their way. Uh, you don't have to. You're writing songs and they're your songs, so let them be yours. Like, be as authentic and genuine as you can in your songwriting and work so hard not to bully yourself in it because I think that can stop us from creating so often. And it's internal, you know? It's something that we're, that we're doing to ourselves. It's much easier said than done, of course, but that memory that of me, like, I don't know, hidden away in that room writing that song by myself for a while, I felt really, like, ashamed and embarrassed because I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do, which is, like, write collaboratively. But I still wrote a song, and I'm still proud that I was able to do that. Uh, so I think be, um, be willing to do something different uh, because you're still creating something. And ultimately that's your goal is to create. It's not, it's a little bit more esoteric than like keep your pen on the page, but that's what came to mind. Be willing to do something different. Yeah. I, I would have told myself that. Um, I was a little sporto when I was a kid, and um, in fifth grade, when the instruments came out, I did ask my father uh, for a trumpet. I said, I, I'll, I'll play the trumpet maybe, and he's like, ah, you're gonna be too, too busy with basketball. I said, okay, and I should have I been different. I should have maybe asked him again or talked to my grandma because she could make my dad do anything. <laughs> um, so maybe, maybe that would have helped, but also I think uh, anytime you get limited to just think outside of the box or think, are these rules constraining me or can I use them to maybe try something different? Um, that was absolutely how I started the, the first band I played in, The Porch Lights. I mean, we were, we were pretty bad, um, but we got better every gig and we just decided we were gonna, we were gonna work with what we had. Um, I wanted things to sound much better, of course, and I wanted the songs to be better, but at the same time, just doing it and, and, and doing it again and again helps too. Me, I, <clears throat> I, there, there has been an experience where um, I've been a solo musician for forever, was for when, when it started. Um, I was in some bands in high school and things, um, very fun. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. But uh, in my early 20s, I met a, a couple who were in the bluegrass scene, the Minnesota bluegrass scene. And we decided to form a band and enter into the Minnesota bluegrass uh, band competition. We did that. And I wrote some songs for it, and we won. And it was a pretty exciting experience. I don't know that it was necessarily the songwriting. I mean, it was like a, my take on bluegrass. It was hard driving, uh, songs about drinking, you know. Um, and we had some really good uh, musicians uh, playing along, uh, which made the music sound very, very nice, which is why I think we won more than the songs. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, does that come with a, like, what, what was your takeaway from that experience that uh, informed your um, process for, uh, over, or what would you tell yourself when you were younger? Was the sort of... Oh, that's, that's dead easy. Um, don't, don't listen to anyone else's advice. I teach, I teach um, guitar, and I think, I think that um, my biggest thing is to teach people how to play, not, not, 
like, if you came in on your first lesson and wanted to play Stairway to Heaven, now kids, the song Stairway to Heaven is this epic song from way back in the day. <laughs> um, no, and I had some some kids come in, like 13-year-old kid, you know, I want to learn Stairway. I'm like, do you have six months? Because it's going to take a very long time to learn how to play the guitar and that song at the same time. So for me, I mean, just getting the strumming down and, and things like that. Um, but then, you know, I had a producer tell me, for example, that I need to um, lose the Dylan thing. And I was like... Dude, I'm from Minnesota. There's no Dylan thing. This is like, you know, my family, my grandparents opened the first musical nightclub on Lake Minnetonka in 1949. Music's been in my family since well before I was born. And um, so I wasn't about to lose anything. You know what I'm saying? I'm sticking with what I got and, and I like what I have. And, and um, yeah, if I were to tell my younger self something, well, okay, here's a really quick and interesting thing. So when I was like 22, 23, um, I basically became self-employed. And I started doing gigs for money. Now here's the difference. When you go out and you play in a venue, and it's very loud and nobody paid to see you, so they're really not paying attention to you. Um, if I would have been just a little wiser, I think that I, I, I would tell myself, book, this, book the shows, book the, sh the theaters. Book the theaters, and if two people show up, then you have two people that showed up. Uh, instead of trying to just make that $300 right off the bat or whatever, whatever it is. Because um, today, that's all I got. I don't have a following. I don't have people that show up to my shows. And I don't have shows where people would know to even come and pay a ticket. But I've been playing forever, and it's what I, it's what I do for a living. But it's, an, it's different. I'm a, I, I would probably have told myself to focus more on that because I am an original songwriter and I like my tunes. I don't play cover songs. You know, I just got a text message, hey, your gig on Friday is a, a private party, so you might want to bring in uh, more covers this time and, and, you know, and they might have requests. I'm like, that's not happening. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I don't know. I, I guess it's, it, I was very eager to not have a boss and so I was playing any gig that would pay. And people ask, where do you play? I'll play in your bathroom. If you pay me 20 bucks, I'll do it. <laughs> you know? So uh, that would be the advice that I would probably give myself. Just be a little bit more patient. Be ready for success. You know, Bathroom's a great place to play. <laughs> I agree. Um, that's kind of where I started playing before I started playing out, where I started listening more to myself, I think. The acoustics in the bathroom are always top-notch, I'm telling you. Um, bath time with my kids, though, uh, that was some of, I mean... I will always think of that as some of the best times I've had with my kids. Mm. I, I just sat on the toilet, mm. not using the toilet, but sitting with the cover down <laughs> and playing my guitar, and the kids are in the bath, and sometimes they're singing along, or we've got uh, you know, a bath time song. Mm -hmm. There was Violet's Gotta Go to Bed, Violet's Got a Kitty in Her Head, Meow, 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 mm -hmm. lots of meowing. Mm -hmm. um, so that kind of stuff is good, too. That's great. Uh, here's a quick one. Um, and it, and I forgot what it was. Uh, oh, <laughs> wow. very what do, quick. What do you oh, think sorry. makes a song impactful? So, in sort of as few words as possible, uh, what about either your music or other songs that you've heard? Do you think sort of uh, resonates, makes it impactful? Well, I'll just keep that as quick as I can. Speaking of Dylan, uh, first musician to win the Nobel laureate for words. I think words matter. Delivery matters. Um, I wrote myself one note, I, and the note was deliver directly and be concise. 
<laughs> in my songs. Like, people will get the message if you don't overcomplicate it. Oh, I had something. I had something also. And I was going to say it, but now I, I'm going to... Can you say the question again? What makes a song impactful? Oh, I know. <laughs> it's, I was thinking about how... Um, because I play primarily with other people, with at least one other person. My husband, Colin Sharp, woo, in the house, woo. <laughs> um, and given names in Goldust and Machiko now. Um, but I find that when I'm watching live performances, whether it's a solo act or uh, a group, I'm particularly drawn in by artists who look like they're having a good time. And I think that is my, that's one of the biggest things that impacts me is watching a live performance. I'm gonna interrupt you, because this original experience, listening to other people's original music is my jam. Yeah. This is so, this is so much more enjoyable than Wagon Wheel for the millionth time, <laughs> Hanging on, isn't oh, it? That yeah, song, I, especially bluegrass, right? Keeps rolling, and rolling. <laughs> never stopping. But yeah, watching other people enjoy themselves um, makes me enjoy myself. I want to be friends with them if they look like they're friends. So that's something that I take with me as a musician myself. Like I want to be having a good time, and then other people will ideally have a good time. Or I want to believe what I'm doing. So you know, I write songs that are sometimes kind of emotionally intense or heavy and I want to be in that moment in my head and in my performance because I can't if I'm manufacturing it in some way that's false I think people can read that so again that authenticity that being genuine being honest and like being in the moment being present in the moment I think that makes stuff impactful. totally I love to see people really getting into it too mm -hmm. but that really makes me scared myself because if I start thinking about how I look or trying to make faces or something that seems like the worst idea in the world to me or yeah. striking some rock pose or something like that um, um, so I really don't worry about that and I'm gonna go back to Brady's answer uh, I think it's the words to lyrics mm -hmm. I think I think I trust that you know um, <laughs> I might not be the most interesting person to look at but um, I trust that if if I get a foot in the door and you hear the song and you listen to it twice or the third time, the words are going to take it somewhere um, that stay with you. And so I think, you know, talking about impact or lasting impression, I think it has to be lyrics. And, I'm, and I'm, I know we were trying to keep this one quick, but I'm eager to, to interrupt one more time. I'm, I'm interested in, in learning the trumpet. I've purchased a trumpet and I'm, and I'm going to, because my experience I'm, I'm, I've played a thousand gigs uh, in bars, venues, restaurants, and where people didn't care whether I was there or not. So nobody's listening anyway, right? So I, and like Miles Davis will make me cry, and he does. So and he's been dead for a long time, you know. So sometimes no words are are entirely uh, more than adequate. I think it's in, oh, sorry. I think it's interesting too because. Uh, I uh, listened to almost solely instrumental music. Uh, it wasn't until about like a couple, like maybe even six or seven months ago that I started trying to like lyrics. And then I would actually like listen to the, the lyrical content of songs. But even some of my favorite songs I had listened to a hundred times. 
I had no idea what the lyrics were. It was more of like a, just another melodic element. Yeah, so I'm totally like that too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it wasn't even on purpose. One day I was just looking, someone asked me for, can I listen to a song with words? So I was listen, going through my playlist and I was like, I, I can't find one. <laughs> I get that too much too. <laughs> uh, who are we on next? It's, it's you. Okay, um, well, uh, I had a pretty... Um, kind of an open-ended question, uh, but that some, some people have some interesting takes on. The uh, idea that I was wondering, in your writing process, how much of it is just like you going off a feeling or a noise you like or a, a new chord voice and you learned, and how much of it is you actually um, thinking about it from a music theory, like song crafting standpoint, like oh, I want to go to from the first to the fourth here. Or, oh, I think it'd sound really cool if I could modulate the rhythm here, or do you usually just kind of uh, put things out? It might make it easier if I get example. Me, for instance, I usually just kind of in musical vomit and then kind of just kind of scrape together what I can from that. <laughs> and, and then once I actually find something I like, then I go back and I like analyze what I'm doing. But yeah, if, uh, wondering how you guys do that. False notes are a real thing. Like I think people get their ego way, way too into it. And it's about, to me, it's about hard work. And I can tell if somebody's put in work, like I can tell that you've put in your songwriters, work, your hours, you know? And it's, that's, um, I don't know if I'm answering the question, you know, but. Uh, yeah, um, I, I, yeah, well, I, that, uh, sort of, I guess I'm wondering just like how much of your writing is you thinking about the theory behind it and how much of it is you just like going off a feeling or a lyric or something like that. Well, I'm gonna get really heady on you and say that our heartbeat is our first drum that we hear. Hey. So that, to me, it, it, it does start with the music in, in a way, but it starts with the feeling too. Don't speak unless you have something to say. Why would you write a song if you've got no experience about that, that, that you're writing about, whatever it might be, right? like know your place kind of thing. I that, like I bully myself. Like I'm telling you, I've got like I have standards, <laughs> you know, for myself, you know. Yeah. I have no music theory training. I did start as a music major in college and then I became a social work major in college because music theory was at 8 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> 5 days a week. And it was like one of those classes that they said was to weed people out, which I think is a messed up way to teach. Yeah. That's, that's my hot take. <laughs> because I, so I have some, like, I, I also grew up, Nate, you sort of alluded to growing up around the church, and my grandfather was a Lutheran minister, and my uncles would sing in harmony all around me. So it's more of a felt sense for me, I guess, than it is like I'm not writing down notes. Um, on a staff, I believe is what it's called, not to brag, but I'll often, but I'll often be like, Michelle, what key is this in? And she'll help. She's I ask great. her those same yeah. things. Yeah. What yeah. You, what you, what's the word for this? I'm that nerd in my band. Oh, yeah. well, God bless you. We need you. We obviously need you. Yeah. So yeah, I'd say for me, it's it's really about. Uh, the feel of the song, and uh, primarily the lyrics for me are the vehicle that then the song is built around. And then um, amazing, talented uh, other musicians create like 
I don't know, 90% of, of <laughs> Feel the, the rhythm, feel the rhyme. Yeah. Right? Feel the rhythm, yeah, feel the rhyme. we're talking bobsleds, bob baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, that's the truth. That's the truth, is that the theory is uh, shouldered by others. <laughs> I, don't know the, I don't know how to read music either. Uh, I don't know if you said that. Did I just admit something that no one else no, did? No, it's here? great. You're great. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, as, as you can imagine from what I've said. Um, but uh, I'm interested in like music history, and I'm yeah. interested in musical stories. I, I, I read a, one of the longest books I've ever read in my life. I don't read books longer than like 500 pages if I can help it, too. <laughs> but uh, I read a really long biography on Beethoven just because it was interesting. And you know, I, I, I didn't read it for... you know. The, the musical, technical stuff mm-hmm. necessarily, but the stories, and I, I'm in it for stories. I think that I get inspired by stories or, or by people. Um, in fact, if somebody would just say to me to write a song, I, I wouldn't be able to come up with anything really at all. But if somebody said, um, you know, something weird, like... Write a song about Hansel and Gretel. <laughs> that I could do that. that I, mean, I would immediately get other ideas and I could jump off. Uh, I have a lot of weird songs like that about people or places um, or just ideas. I, I know I wanted to write a song that had some French words in it at one point because my full last name is Le Boutelier, which means the bottler or the butler in French. And I wanted to at least speak a little bit of that language. And so that inspired my song, L'Etoile du Nord, which uh, Michelle plays a very beautiful piano part too and speaks a little bit of French. We'll throw French phrases at each other sometimes at, at gigs, c'est ça, mon gars, stuff like that. Yeah. But um, so I guess that's kind of a, like those are weird little things that sometimes spark a song. Um, I like those little things. Uh, you said you were watch, uh, writing a song because you watched a documentary or something. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. What was the documentary? It's called I Am. Yeah. It's about mindfulness and meditation. Yeah. And, yeah. And you, okay. Yeah. I was watching one on Nikola Tesla one time, yeah. and there were all these just great words about electricity, mm-hmm. um, you know, coils, and uh, I can't even think of any of the words right now. Um, anyways, but I was writing them down on the back of my electric bill, as it turns out, and then I thought... I'm just going to start working these good words into a song. And, and I love when song comes together that way. Mm. They seem to go faster to me. Yeah, I agree. When there's like a source, a primary source yeah. from which you're drawing. Is that for you too? Well, I've spent way too many nights until three or four in the morning writing tunes quietly, <laughs> as, as quiet as I can. Um, and it's interesting when you have real alone time, when you're really, you know, I, 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 have in the past surrounded myself with the, some of the best musicians that I'll probably ever meet. Um, but I've also spent a ton of time just working it out. Like, mm-hmm. do I really want to say that, right? Mm-hmm. Do I really, is that, is that what I'm saying? And you hope that it's a yes, you know, or whatever. You work out whether or not it is. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, we have one more from, from us, and then we're going to kick it to the audience. Um, uh, you might have to take off. Willis might have to take off, but... Uh, we're, we'll be here to answer some questions. We don't have to end right at um, 5 o'clock, or what time is it? Yeah, 4 o'clock. But um, I, just w- I just wanted to address uh, writer's block. Um, I, I know everyone experiences some creative roadblock at some point in time. Um, if you have any experiences with dealing with it or um, any stories, anything like that, uh, maybe, Nate, you could start us off. 
I had it for 30-some years, I guess. Uh, and I think uh, it came down to sort of not caring or maybe even getting, getting over myself at, at some point and thinking, you know, I, my standard for what a song should be is too high. And I did have to write a couple of songs that maybe just weren't that great or maybe just get through them and see if I could revise them or something like that. Um, but... To me, writer's block, I mean, writer's block is a real thing, too. I, I write a lot of stuff other than music. That's where I kind of came to songwriting from. And to me, writer's block isn't necessarily not being able to write. It's not being able to enjoy what you've written or think that it's worth a damn. Um, so if I get tired of something, I'll just do something else. I'll go mow the lawn or, you know, do a good job at making a creative dinner for my kids or something. Um, and just trust that it'll come back. Uh, it's not gone forever. I think the more you worry about it, the worse writer's block can be, too. So I had to look up his name because I forgot, but I, I remember it. So Jimmy Breslin and Pete Hamill, there's a great documentary on HBO about them, and uh, Pete Hamill was apparently suffering from writer's block, and somebody said, it might have been Breslin, but somebody said, you're not important enough to have writer's block. <laughs> Who do you think you are? <laughs> so, and I, that's actually, I've lived by that. I found that, on my own, I found that on my own path, and you just keep writing. I mean, there, I've spent way too many nights, four in the morning, and then waking up and getting my kid on the bus at like seven. You know, like, you're not important enough to have writer's block. You're, you're doing the work. You're doing the work, you're conveying a message. And on that note really quick, um, you know, speaking of like, where does a song come from? So I wrote some sad songs. The first example that I gave was a, is a sad song, and I actually had chose not to play it out. That was a, the decision that I had made. I played it on a podcast, mm. and the guy goes, you're not going to play that out? And I go, no, I don't want to make people sad. He goes, well, good luck being a songwriter. And that's mm. some great advice, too. Mm. So don't be afraid to make people feel the pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think... Yeah, writer's block. I think... Um, because of the way that I write songs, I sort of don't let it happen. <laughs> because it's just words, it's just a bunch of words. And I think there's a little bit of letting go of the preciousness of it when it's just a page of words. And there's gonna be some words that you're gonna like a little bit, and then it's a song. <laughs> and then you record it and it's done. When I say record, I really mean like a voice memo. Like it's just it's it's not we're not going to the studio. We're not spending. How many of those you got? A handful. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I lost. I have a one. few phones that have a few. Um. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Yeah, I do too. I'm sure. But I just lost one, which was a real bummer. I don't think it was a good song. Like I I don't think it would have made it to like daylight. But mm, it bugs it you that you lost it. Yeah. 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 I like to have the library. Yeah. I'm not afraid to write a bad song still, too. Yeah. For, every, no. for every one that I like, no. I've got at least four ones that yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't like Same. that much. Yeah, <laughs> or, or ones that aren't finished, too, mm. that, that just don't make it. Yeah. Which I, I might like half of it. Yeah. Or less. Or Actually, yeah. speaking of, yeah. I keep bringing up Bob Dylan. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a, a documentary about him, or that he's, whatever, in an interview. And, and uh, he goes, yeah, I've, I've recorded some songs, some, some great ones. And some bad ones. And he like looks at the camera like, but did you, did you think they were bad? Because I think they're bad. And I, mm. I, I like that little kind of cat and mouse that you can play with yourself a little bit. Because like. yeah. you might come around to something, I think. Yeah. You, you might end up writing something that you think is not very good and it ages and you, and you come mm. back to it maybe or 
something, or you write something you think it's really good, and then you hear you hear twelve-year-old you, yeah. and you're yeah. like, yeah. "What was I thinking?" Wake up in the morning, listen to it again, like, "Ooh, yeah, nope, no, that one's not it." <laughs> uh, I think it was Ricky Gervais and Stephen Curry's podcast where I heard it, where when they can't write something that they think is funny, they will write something that they think is trying to be funny, but like poorly. And that actually puts their head in a place where they can think of new jokes. Uh, and uh, I do that if I can't nail a line in like a voiceover, I'll do it like as bad as possible and then it'll help me get it. And yeah, that plus uh, what Laura said on our podcast before, like Jake said, just like put it out there and then just go back and get rid of junk if you don't like it. A musical version I've heard of that is like uh, writing a, like trying to write like a parody of a folk song or like yeah. a parody of a country song. Yeah. And then like you don't finish that song probably, but inspires you to mm -hmm. take a left turn and find something fun. Yeah, St. Vincent talks about that too. Like learn songs that you like and then there might be chord progressions in there or like melodic jumps that you wouldn't have thought of that you then have sort of in your library that you can go back to. And for me too, I, I, Colin does this and I've done it more when I get stuck is I'll just like pick up a book, especially books of poetry are nice because again, you just get those little quick phrases, the specificity of a line and you maybe take something from that. Um, that has been really helpful for me too. If I just need like one word, maybe that word sparks something, makes me think of something else. Yeah, so I might not be pulling like exactly, you know, this this very specific poem, this line, but something that spurred something in my mind. The last thing on this, even uh, listening to like maybe the inverse of the music you create or maybe some music mm -hmm. that in your head you hate, and uh, maybe you might be able to move something from that space over to the space you're in, and you might even come up with something that other people oh, aren't sure. really doing. Yeah. I wrote a tune called Neverland, and it was when Taylor Swift had come out with Never, Ever, Ever. And I was like, I'm going to do, do a better. I'm going to yeah, ne yeah. do a Never, Ever, Better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into the Q&A. Um, we've got a mic back here uh, that could be turned on, and if anyone has questions and they just want to kind of line up there, then we can uh, get into that approach. Uh, it should be on. Do, 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 do. I'll test if it's on and ask a quick question. You don't have to name names, but are there any tropes or things that you come across in songwriting that you absolutely hate when you hear it in other people or things you actively avoid in your own work? Yes. <laughs> I, I banned myself from using the word alone for a year <laughs> at one point, and it just passed. So now I've written 10 songs that have the word alone. <laughs> New album. Alone. One's called Alone, Alone, Alone. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I definitely have things that I can think of, too, that I, um, that I don't like and that I don't do on purpose. So also, yes. What are, they? <laughs> what are yours? What are yours? Well, actually, my, <laughs> mine, mine would maybe have something that, doesn't, that does have something to do with music, but in kind of a, a, different, a different tone, and maybe this will change a little bit of the temperature of our conversation. I think there are, there are musicians, and then there are, are 
people playing a part as a musician in their life, in their little role of their movie of their life. Um, costume musicians are, are one of those people. I don't mean, I'm not talking about wardrobe or a nice dress or a suit or something like that. I'm talking about costume musicians, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and I have a, f a couple friends, I won't name any names. I have two friends and they're on the polar, they play a s very similar style of tune. They really do. And uh, it's, it's born out of music that's from 100 years ago. And cutting to the chase, um, one of them, back in the day, imagine, I don't know if there are any African-American people, where are my people at? Um, imagine what it would take to be a traveling musician um, as an African-American in 1920 and making a living doing it. It, you know, we see these old pictures and everyone's wearing a suit, but it's like, that's how they showed up. They showed up properly to their show and they cared about it. It was how they made their living. And there was these standards, these ridiculous standards just stuffed on top of everything else, right? So they had to rise above that. Cutting to the chase, I have a friend who, who in my opinion, honors that and dresses very well for his shows. And I have another friend uh, who does not, who, who will basically, for all intents and purposes, wear rags to their show. And, and one's making over $100,000 a year and another one's making fifteen. And guess which one it is? You know what I'm saying? And it's not the person that cares how they look. And it's very interesting. To me, there's a respect factor about music that we need to have, I believe. I think there's a lot of people that play pretend and I try my best not to be one of them, if that makes sense, yeah. I don't know if I've done a good job answering that question. <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you got another one. Okay, do you guys have a little technique or something that you do when you feel like the, the songs that you're writing are kind of like very similar and like, uh, what do you do to, to get yourself into a new feeling or mode? Do like, you have, uh, do you have I, any tips or? Like as in like, what do you do to make it so you're not writing music that all sounds too similar to each other? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I, the first thing that came to mind, this is a very silly answer, but I think it's helpful for me, is either I will um, run, because for me it's often, um, the chord progression that I'm doing is too similar to something that I've done in the past. And so either I will kind of hand that over to somebody else to see if they can um, think of it in a new way while still retaining the feel of the song, or I might move to another instrument. You and I have talked before about like writing songs on piano is very different from writing songs on guitar. So changing the instrument can definitely uh, make an impact. And then for me, I think it's leaning into things that are a little bit easier for me. So I might add a lot of harmonies or something, um, or I might make space for another instrument to uh, have a solo that then takes it into a different uh, sort of landscape, uh, either emotionally or musically. And then the silly answer was like, just like put a capo on your guitar. <laughs> I almost, I yeah. almost, I almost said like, that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> change just the key. Change the key, and you don't have to transpose it. As I mentioned, I cannot do that. So uh, I can put a capo on it though, and then the voice of the guitar sounds different. The voicing of the guitar. I have two songs that sounded really similar that are, are both on my new album. One is Bill Holm, and the other one is called Constantia. 
and I just changed key and played Constantia on piano, which I'm not very good at. So the only person who has ever said to me now uh, that they sound the same is one of the people in my band. And, <laughs> and he only said it after like a year of hearing those songs. So I tricked him for at least a year. Perfect. I think uh, I, I, I'm in an all instrumental band called Onion Bun. So that's like, uh, I feel like lyrics are are a really easy way to differentiate songs and for a long time I was struggling it and what really helped me was just uh, trying to push myself to maybe pick one chord in, in that and try a new inversion or a new spot to hold that chord on the neck or on the piano because then even maybe a slight movement might kind of open things up for you. That's really helped me a lot. Or just trying to find a different scale shape or something like that. And that helps especially if you aren't someone who knows a lot of music theory, which I've just started learning in the past six months, because it can just be as simple as having your fingers in this new position might make you think, oh, I can move my pinky here or this here. And yeah, that always helped me. For sure, that's a great point. I'm thinking vocally too, like if you have different registers in your voice, maybe you would sing in a falsetto instead of in a bass or a baritone or um, you know, alto or soprano. Um, or maybe you do both. Maybe you do two different um, uh, octaves if you're able to stretch that. I'll challenge cool. the questioner to perhaps take two genres of music that they you might like, and try and mix them and see what happens. You might find yourself pulling yourself right out of some any sort of creative rut. Because I'm not particularly, even though I was in a bluegrass band, I'm not particular to a style. I don't, I don't when people say, what kind of genre do you sing? I just go, well, I have an acoustic guitar, I play the harmonica. They, they go, Dylan or Neil Young or something <laughs> like that. But then, you know, but then there's twinkly songs. You know, quiet and beautiful tunes, right? That are not necessarily folk tunes. So, you can it's you know you can kind of play around with your with your ideas of the genre because what you might think rock and roll is might be different than what rock and roll would be for somebody else. Perhaps. Changing the pace too, the time. You know, uh, I I've tried to put some things in different time just because I've got a cool drummer uh, who enjoys that, and <laughs> not every song sounding the same time. But I'm. I'm kind of a Neanderthal with time too, so I'm, I'm still learning to do some of that stuff. But but it's fun. Uh, we got another question. Go for it. Uh, yeah, I had a, a comment too for the this person. They should just do it in five four time, and then they'll mm. they'll they'll never have a problem. Um, <laughs> how much how much time do we have? Uh, we're wrapping it up shortly, so yeah. we just got one more question. If you got it. Right. So what I was wondering is if we had enough time for these um, musicians to give us one short song apiece. Is oh, there... yeah. Yeah, I think we can do that. I'm going to have to leave, though, so I want to give a quick shout-out to the Jam Night. Jam Night, for anyone who's going to that, I'm going to go host the Electronic Music Jam Night over at the uh, uh, St. Peter Community Center. Nice. So right. I'm going to go do that. Yeah, um, I just want to say a second to shout out some friends. Uh, we got our boy AP switching around the video, making sure everyone looks beautiful. We got my Tran here uh, operating. Hi, my and uh, operating this camera, and we have our brand new friend Corey back there helping make sure this sounds amazing for all of you. And then, yeah, shout out to Minnesota Original Music Fest uh, yeah. as well. Then these three. Amazing people for coming on. 
But yeah, maybe let's rip some tunes. Yeah, uh, just um, I just wanted to thank the musicians for coming and sharing this. Uh, it was it was um, refreshing to to hear some of the the background stuff on, and um, you know sometimes when you have these kind of events, there's a lot of music played and not a lot of discussion about what's going on behind the scenes. Um, so that was really cool and really appreciate you guys taking the time to come here and Triple Falls for putting this on, so thank you so much. Um, but if you guys maybe have enough time for another song and just you know tell us a little bit about what you're gonna do and where it came from and then just give it to us, that would be really cool. I'd really appreciate that. And thank you for all of your hard work, Eli, Thanks, Eli. for getting appreciate all of this you. together. Go, Eli! Yeah. And I know you had to like write a lot of grants and everything. Yeah, we really yeah. appreciate it. So thanks for having us. Well, I started talking, so I guess I should play. <laughs> <laughs> this is a song I wrote. <laughs> you might want to sing it. No fun. <laughs> Remember that song? Uh, this is a song called Game That's Was Rigged. Yeah, it is a really cool song. <laughs> Uh, it's called Game Was Rigged. I wrote it when I was feeling angry. I was feeling upset. And this is what I channeled it into. Um, I find that if I'm kind of thinking back on things that have happened that make me feel angry or upset or ashamed or whatever it is, uh, I often need a lot of time in between that thing and if I'm going to write a song about it. Because I, I don't... I'm not able to write things that are too on the nose. They just don't come out right if I write them that way. I've tried and it just doesn't work. So in order for it to be more impressionistic, I often need time and space away from it. So this is like something from undergrad that I'm processing now at age 36. <laughs> Excuse me, chair. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> It's capo on four. It's those chords. <laughs> you said the game was rigged. You said you could see through it. It's not gives you the right You're not all holy lands You're not everyone's dream You're nobody's God You're nobody's God It's not what you're saying It's what you're making them say There's only so long that Keep up your charade It's incandescent thoughts And dried forget-me-nots It's smoke in your eyes It's smoke in your eyes Who breaks the news? Who breaks the rules? Who fools you? Who gets to break your heart? Who
this song um, for a young lady whose dad had uh, passed away. Her dad was one of my very good friends, and I didn't know that he had passed away. So we were the only mutual friend. Um, you know, him and I didn't know anybody else that would have told me that he would have passed away, which is a really kind of, I guess, sad in and of itself, but maybe not. Went to uh, wish him a happy birthday on Facebook and found out he had passed away uh, like three months prior, and um, it was just like, and I've been hit by a car before, and it's like this was worse, <laughs> and um, I didn't get to go to the funeral, I didn't get to say goodbye, so I wrote a song called Never Say Goodbye, and it's, it's dedicated to his daughter, um, her and I had become friends on Facebook, and she was really having a hard time with this unexpected passing, and I don't blame her, not one bit, and by this time she was about a senior in high school, and I I was a mess as a, as a high schooler, and so I couldn't imagine <clears throat> losing somebody that I care about. So this song is uh, called Never Say Goodbye. It's a little chilly up here, huh? all you've got I could never get enough Give me one more shot As long as it's strong enough You left me here with no direction where to go Hanging high and dry You left me here with the cold winds blowing well, let them howl and cry You and me, love We never say goodbye Fall away with me Into this life that no one knows Fall away with me Falling like a silent snow I see your face like the reflection of the sun It's enough to make me cry 
did I see your face well There's no way of knowing I'll always wonder why You and me love We never say goodbye to say the things I need to say I will see you on the other side though I know that you are gone as I sit and sing this song I can feel you right here by my side oh the world is still turning the sun is still burning even when we close our eyes we're so far away now our hearts are still close and I'll always open mine You wed me love And never say goodbye Never say goodbye It's road rash. <laughs> oh, it's not. <laughs> I'll get it one day. This song is called The Capital of the World, and it comes from one of those Bob Dylan documentaries where he was talking about growing up in Minnesota, northern Minnesota, and they asked him what there was to do, and he said, I just did whatever my parents did. As far as I was concerned, it was the capital of the world. They were the capital of my world. So I was thinking about maybe my own mom and how the capital of your world can uh, change. Just a boy, I'd do anything 
make my mother smile As a young man I soon wandered far from her Change of heart, change of clothes, change of mind But how many turnings of the earth Was she the capital of my world? The sun rose and set on her Some and take a great delight in chasing riches Still for silver, pan for gold, kill for pearl Until pursuit itself becomes preoccupation Accumulation is the capital of their world But do they ever miss the way they were? For the silver, gold, and pearl Became the capital of their world These cots hang low Feel so far away These hills are green But grew so high When did an ocean Fill up between us It's such a shame you lost your mind you lost your mind you lost your mind Now time is short Time is long Time is marching Time has changed And change can hurt Change can heal Change can change And change itself can Become the capital of the world Or the capital of the world Never cease to search Is this a blessing or a curse?
I noticed that my arm had fallen asleep, but right there, it was like it was just up here the whole time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Were you feeling that a little bit? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good work, man. Lovely. Well, um, thank, thank you all. Um, well, thank you, thank you to the audience, for everyone who showed up today. And um, I want to thank each of you individually, um, Brady, Laura, and Nate, um, for sharing your perspectives and your tunes with us today and giving us all a little bit of something to think about in terms of songwriting. And um, lastly, the Minnesota Music, Original Music Festival for hosting this event and inviting us to be here. Um, it's a big deal to us, and we really hope that everyone stays around for the rest of the week to check out all the awesome workshops and performances that are coming up. And uh, if you want to hang out with us later tonight, come on over to the Electronic Music Jam. Uh, we're going to be there. Um, I'll be hanging at the Blues and Jazz Jam, most likely. So see us around. Um, yeah, we got a Blues in the Park. We got Jazz at Patrick's, and we got the Electric Jam at the Community Center. So yeah, um, is there, can each of you just take a sec, tell me where to find you, and yeah, who you are. Well, probably just where to find you. <laughs> um, BradyPearl.com, it's P-E-R-L. So B-R-A-D-Y, P-E-R-L.com. You know, when you sign up for being a musician, you don't realize you're gonna be a website designer, and you know, you're a booking agent, and all these things. So all that information you can find on the website. So thank you. Awesome. And yeah, uh, Given Names is, um, it's got an Instagram and a Facebook and uh, people in it, so you could talk to any of us. <laughs> and then, uh, same thing with Goodnight Gold Dust has, they, we have a dot .com um, and a Facebook and an Instagram. And uh, Machiko, where can we find? At Facebook, YouTube. I think I got the... I think I got the notes right. <laughs> uh, NateBoots.com, check it out. Um, you can find some stuff there. Um, got some stuff on Nate Boots and the High Horses, my band. It's uh, only horses in that band, not people. So <laughs> bring some carrots. Uh, We're hungry. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm also playing around southern Minnesota all the time. Uh, tomorrow night at the Circle Inn, my favorite place, which mm. is very close to my my actual home in lower north Mankato. And then uh, Friday I'll be at Margaret's Pub. And if you've never gone to see Margaret's Pub and feel like taking just a short road trip from these parts, it's about a half an hour away. Um, beautiful little place. And uh, I've been trying to get people to go out to some of the different places and just explore. You won't, you won't be sorry. Uh, there's always something uh, there, including the people at every place. So thank you to, to you guys for, for your Great questions and, yeah. and for hosting us. I, I want to say one thing uh, because we're thinking about Minnesota original music and I just think we can all do it. Like we can all write songs. And I, I hope that that's in part what, what we've done here today is like invited you in. And I know for me as a songwriter, I, when I was in college, it was about booking a show and then having to play that show. That's like what made me a performing musician is booking the show and then playing the show. So we can all do it, and I think that's awesome. Um, if any of you have any questions or want to figure out how to do that, I'm sure we're all more than willing and excited to uh, help bring you along. All right. See you guys later. We did it.
Boy, couldn't you just eat a whole bowl of chili? <laughs>